most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Gospel from Matthew chapter 21. These words of our Savior Jesus will serve as the basis for today's sermon. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show to you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. What does God want from you? Maybe that's a question you asked as you were just contemplating life. Or perhaps it's a question that rolled off your lips in a very frustrating moment as life, when life wasn't going so smoothly for you. Or maybe it's a question that comes up as you think about the Christian life. What does God want from us? And then maybe it's a question that just doesn't come up in your mind at all because you really don't care nor feel like you have the need to know what God wants from you. What does God want from you? The answer to that question is very important for people to understand. And Jesus today gives us the answer to what God wants from you as we take a look and meditate on the words from the gospel in Matthew chapter 21. Let me set the stage a little bit for those words of Jesus today. Jesus was in Jerusalem, the important capital and holy city of Israel, where there the temple was found. And this was just a few days before Jesus was going to be crucified, these last days which we affectionately call Holy Week. And the week began with Jesus on Sunday entering into Jerusalem, being welcomed and praised like a king. Then on Monday, Jesus was in the temple 
in the temple area, and he came upon the, market, the temple marketplace that was there. See, this marketplace was set up for a person who was coming to worship to be able to come and to buy one of the animals that was needed for sacrifice. Or perhaps if they were traveling from a long distance and had to exchange money so they had the right money to pay for those sacrifices, they could do it there too and, and really get whatever they needed for worship. This marketplace was necessary. And while it was meant to honor God, it had become a place that honored the greedy hearts of the opportunistic entrepreneurs there. And so on that day, Jesus went around and he drove everyone out of the marketplace. He flipped the tables up on end. Coins went clinking and clanging as they rolled around on the ground. And doves spread their wings as they broke out of the broken cages free. It is written, Jesus said, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus effectively closed down the marketplace on the biggest sales day of the year, the days leading up to the religious festival of the Passover. This was the highlight of the Jewish religion. It's much like if you were to close down a shop on Black Friday or on the days leading up to Christmas. Now you can maybe understand a little bit more why the religious leaders were furious with Jesus. And they made it known to him. The next day, Tuesday, Jesus was again in the temple courts. Today he is preaching and teaching to the people gathered around him. And it was right in the midst of that teaching that this angry gang of religious leaders broke right through and interrupted. I can almost picture them just pushing people off to the side as they made their way, stomping their feet right up to Jesus, getting in his face, and then they asked, slashed, accused him, who gave you the authority to shut down the market? That question tells us a little bit about the hearts of those religious leaders. One thing it tells us is that they believed they were the authority. They had the power and the right to close or open up the marketplace. They had the authority and power to make rules and policies for the religious life of the people of Israel. Not Jesus. His actions the day before were cutting into their wallets. And you see their heart, don't you? You see a heart that is filled with arrogance and greed. But a second thing that we see by this question is that they did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They did not believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was the Savior that was long promised. And so while on the outside they looked like great, upstanding, wonderful religious leaders as they stood there in the temple courts, on the inside, their hearts were not with the Lord. Now, I really wish that that was a problem that just affected those chief priests and elders of the law on that day. But the sad reality is that that's an attitude that I find too much in my own heart. And I'm guessing you find it in your life too. We naturally 
question authority, especially spiritual authority, and it shows in our attitude towards it. Who are you, fellow Christian, to point out my sin? Mind your own business. This is my life. Who are you, church, to tell me how I ought to be living my life? This is my life. And I see it differently. Who are you, God, to tell me how you want to guide and direct my life in this world? From the way I see it, God, you're pretty out of touch with reality, and I'd rather do things my own way. Does that sound a little familiar to your heart? It shows itself in lies when we feel like we have to to steal or to cheat or to lust and covet over something that doesn't belong to us because we don't trust God. And while we might acknowledge him with our lips, our hearts are far from him. And we disobey him with our words and our actions because deep down we want to be in charge and live life our own way. Not all that different than the religious leaders of Jesus' time. How did Jesus respond to them? He asked them his own question. John's baptism Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? Jesus took them back about three years to when John the Baptist was on the scene and was preaching and proclaiming that the Savior was coming. And at that time, the religious leaders came to him and questioned him on who gave him authority to preach and to baptize like he was. John's simple answer was God. And now Jesus is being asked the very same question, who gave you authority? And he now asks them, the, the religious leaders, his own question. John's baptism. Was it divine or not? Did it come from God or from somewhere else? His point is that the very same authority that John the Baptist had was the authority that he had to do the things he was doing. Well, those religious leaders huddled together and they started to to discuss how are they going to respond to Jesus' question. If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And maybe there was actually even a third option. Maybe they could have said, Jesus, we're sorry, we believe who you are and we trust your authority, but that, that thought never came to their mind. Instead, I picture them coming back to Jesus and through gritted teeth and mumbling under their breath, they replied, we don't know. They didn't believe. They were too caught up in themselves to trust in Jesus. What does God want from us? What did God want from them? It's the very same thing that he asks of you and me. And to understand that, Jesus went right into a parable about two sons. And it's there in that story that Jesus drives home the issue that is really at hand here today. So listen to this parable. It goes this way. There was a father who owned a vineyard. And one day he went up to his two sons and he asked each of them to go and work in that vineyard. 
The first son said to his father, I'm not going. But later, as he was lounging around on the couch, binge-watching some show on Netflix, he changed his mind. And he went out into the vineyard and worked. The second son, when his father asked him to work in the vineyard, said, Yes, I will, sir, with great enthusiasm. But he never made it out to the vineyard. Jesus asked those standing around him, Which of the two did what his father wanted? And that's the point. What does God want from you? Which of the two sons are you? A a really honest evaluation of your life would probably recognize that there is a bit of both sons in each and every one of you here today And most likely, not the good traits. Far too often, you and I stubbornly and selfishly refuse God's call to believe or to trust, to obey, and to honor Him. And then there are the other moments in your life where you put too much hope and confidence in yourself, in your own goodness, in your own efforts, in your own words. You might say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and Savior, and you might look like a great, upstanding Christian, but when the eyes are off of you, your heart is far from the Lord. And rather than obeying him, you live life the way you want to. Which of the sons did the right thing? It's pretty obvious that it was the first son who, even though he started off roughly, he changed his mind and went and worked in his father's vineyard. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show show to you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. It's clear that the religious leaders are that second son who even though they said all the right things, their hearts were not in it and they did not love God with obedience. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, though, This group of people that the religious elite would have looked down on, they were the ones that even though they started off on the wrong foot in life, changed their hearts and minds when they came to know Jesus. They recognized their sin. And the forgiveness of Jesus, freely and full, caused them to change their hearts and lives and to turn away from their sin. They were the ones entering into the kingdom of God. And that's the way of righteousness that John the Baptist preached and that Jesus was still proclaiming. Repent and believe. Turn away from all of the the sinful disobedience that separates you from God and have a change of mind. Hear God's call as he calls to you and me today to leave behind all of the faithless words and faithless actions and turn to him to find forgiveness and life. 
Turn to him and no longer live as one who says, I love you, Lord, but I'm going to live life my own way. But instead, be one who says, Lord, I come humbly before you as a sinner, needing and seeking your mercy. And find that very mercy and full forgiveness displayed in the life and attitude of another son. Perhaps we could say there's a third son in this parable. A son who had perfect words and actions. A son who perfectly went and did his father's work, who perfectly obeyed every one of his father's will. That son who is often described and spoken out spoken of throughout the pages of Scripture, but I share with you the description we heard a few moments ago from Philippians 2. A son who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, this son made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, this son humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted this son to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of this son, Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For the times where we find ourselves less than perfect, we can look to that Son, God's Son, Jesus Christ. And when we look to Him in faith, we see one who went to the cross and paid the price for all of our sins, washing away our sins and paying the price to free us from death. And in that faith, God no longer sees you as a child filled with faithless words and actions, but instead looks and sees His Son's perfect obedience credited to you and covering you. And it's that glorious news that truly changes hearts and minds. And that is what God wants. God wants you to turn away from sin and unbelief and to trust in Him and the salvation that is won through our Savior Jesus Christ. God wants a real and honest faith, not just lip service, or this lukewarm, wishy-washy kind of words and actions that are just content with saying we're Christian. But he wants us to have a change of mind and heart that turns to following Jesus each and every day as Lord and Savior and trusting that God's ways are best. Repent and believe. Repent and live. What does God want from you? He wants your heart. He wants you. And in Jesus, you will live. Amen.
Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.